From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Wednesday, August 8th, 2018, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios, on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, joining us from Nashville, Tennessee this week, Tyler Huckabee. Howdy, everybody. And just down the road, down the trail, <laughs> we like to say, there in Nashville, author, speaker, podcaster, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. The majority of our cast is in one city. I don't like it. It's not here. It <laughs> doesn't happen every time. Annie, no, we should do no. this together sometime. I know. That's right. Next time you're on the show, we should sit in the same room. That would be so fun. You're, really not, you're really like not that because you're you're up there at, uh, at the church, right? At Cross yeah, Point yeah. Church. We're literally like a mile and a half apart. But see, Tyler doesn't. He won't step foot in a church. He's persona non grata at that church. So <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's been... more that we're not on. We're not in East Nashville, and he doesn't leave East Nashville. That's the bigger truth. We're on the wrong side of the river. Ah, uh, it was. It was. A, there was an incident. It's fine. It was legal. I was. I, ha, I was exercising my First Amendment rights, and the the wisdom, the wise powers that be at Crosspoint won't let me back in the building. Tyler had a new revelation. He had a new revelation he wanted to share with the body that was not received. It was a hard pass. A hard pass on that word, brother. I don't think about it anymore. The body did not receive it. Of, based on the pictures of my face at Crosspoint. Tyler true. delivered a word to leadership there, and they looked at him and go, not even close, man. Not even close. Not received. Now they have, the, the church offices are like the bodega in, uh, in Seinfeld, where they have pictures up of the bad check passers. Yeah, you know that's right. That's it's who Tyler's he is for us. Bad that word was, givers. Bad I didn't word have givers. to tell you Tyler. this, but it's because his checks kept bouncing when he was tithing. Yeah. It is a bad check problem. That's exactly. Yeah. What it had nothing to do with. It was an investment opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> it would have paid itself off in weeks. They'll never have an opportunity. <laughs> they'll, they'll never know. Tyler's multi-level legging business uh, is no. It cannot oh, do business man, in the parking lot of Cross Point anymore. Oil. I don't that think about it. It's in my rear view mirror. Move yeah, it. Move you got to take, take that legging pop-up shop to another church's parking lot, Tyler. <laughs> It's not a pop-up shop, by the way. By, by the way, people who do that, it's not a pop-up shop. I can tell that's a trailer. Tyler was going for like, he other. was going for the double dip, and he, he actually was selling a line of leggings that were kind of uh, uh, fragranced with essential oils. So yeah. he was oh, going sure. for the double whammy. Yeah. Christian yeah. essential yeah. oils. Christian. Essentially, yeah, they were, it was good. It was, it was very good. It it, his pyramid is twice as high and twice as pointy because he is he is most of the top levels in that one. From the waist down, Tyler smells like patchouli oil from the waist twice down. Twice as high and twice as There's pointy. three sides, but it's barely a pyramid. It's not a... <laughs> it's really funny. We're gonna say we're can you say we're probably gonna get more angry emails and, and tweets about that than we have when like Rob Bell's on. <laughs> All the girls are like, Hey, I, I like selling my leggings. Hey, I like my essential oils. Yeah. Hey Annie, are you still in the on the essential oil train? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I be, I like it. I mean, I don't sell it. I just think they smell nice, and I like what they do to my house, and they keep me from being allergic to my desk. I was in New York the other day, and I went into a Muji. You know that that Japanese, like yeah. basically Japanese yeah, yeah. IKEA, and uh, yeah. and down on the bottom floor they had like their housewares, and they had all these like steam things, steaming oils. I guess I don't know. Like, is that what that is? Like, I don't even know what essential oils are. 
I thought it was like an anointing oil that you put on your no, forehead you or something. You, you burn no, 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 them, you right? can. I mean, you don't. It, it's diffusing them, not steaming oh. them per se. But yes, that is that is what I do here in the no, office. No, no, I, I, Cameron, but that that's only if you want like if you want a light introduction. You know, you diffuse it uh-huh. into the air right. and and let it enter I'll, your I'll, nostrils. I will say this. You know, I will naturally. say this. It smelled delicious down there. It was yeah. lovely. Yeah. yeah. Smelled like a well, you spa. Know, you know what I do? Like if they're really, if this they can I really like do me. all the health claims that they say they can, right. then there's no reason for me to stop drinking them just <laughs> vial by vial of them. I, I, I don't need it diffused. Right. Put it right into me. Just inject it into me. You know, man, there is one oregano oil is really good for you. You can like put one drop in your mouth and it burns. Y'all would not believe it. Feels like you're on fire. Yeah, yeah. You smell like a pizza parlor. It just sounds like a pizza. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't sound bad. I love pizza. If you told me there were pizza essential oils, I would have gotten on board way fast. Now I'm I'm there. (laughs) Yeah, Tyler. I think this is our opportunity, and I think this is your, you know. You're off to get your foot back in the door at Crosswalk. <laughs> Just hear me out, everyone. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. I've got pepperoni. Pizza. I've got cheese. Let me finish. Oils. Let me finish again. Uh, it's an entire pizza. It'd be that, easy to, to cultivate. I mean, those pe- those pepperonis are just like, they, they're, they're like a saucepan of oil when you get a yeah, new pizza, yeah, you know? Yeah. You can I just like pour that in. Whole new line of man oil, essential oils, moils yeah. maybe. I don't know. What we call them, but We're gonna call them moils. I like it. Moils. Man, essential oils. Stetson. You have Stetson, and that one is literally just Stetson it's that we watered Stetson. down and bottled. <laughs> we oil down. We oil down. We, don't we have Axe body spray. That's the same thing. We just took some Axe body spray. I will and pitch put it, it to Crosspoint, but I'm not allowed in the building. So Annie, I'm gonna have to get on Do your shoulders. We'll wear a trench coat, like a big hat, big mustache, glasses. <laughs> What if <laughs> while we'll while I'm being escorted out, I will get, deliver my pitch? And Jesse, I can't fast. stop thinking about you said it in passing. An injectable oil, mm-hmm. like I'm wondering, what? you know how like if somebody eats a lot of garlic when they sweat, you can kind of yeah. smell the garlic again. I wonder if you can inject the oil, and then when you sweat, you're like basically diffusing the sweet fragrances. Yes, that actually happens with oils. Can I be honest? I don't see any reason why a listener shouldn't try that right now. If they happen to have a syringe and essential oil kit, I want you to right now, right in your jugular, right in your jugular, oh, main, li- main line, main line, oil. Also, if they've got all those supplies sitting around, I have like nine other questions. They are for sure. Listener of the week this week, because I have a lot of other questions. That's funny. Well, we have a great show in store for you coming up later. We talked to Eugene Cho. He's a pastor and an author. Uh, he's an activist. He runs one day's wages. He's a pastor founder pastor of Quest Church in Seattle, and he um, made the very unexpected and bold announcement that he is stepping down from the church. And it wasn't because of any anything negative, any scandal or anything like that. Um, and, and he actually, it's not like he's stepping down to like go do another big thing. He, he said he doesn't know what he's doing next. Yeah. Uh, and we get him on the show today and talk to him about why. And uh, Jesse, I mean, yeah, I, can't wait. I was when I first heard his announcement, I had assumed that there was some other like initiative or something, you know, that he was doing. But the more I kind of read about it, the more I did. I mean, Cameron, you know, this. I was fascinated about it, you know, a, a week or two ago when it broke and I knew I wanted to have him on to and. You know, as you'll hear in this interview, it's still emotional and very raw, but he's being obedient to what he believes he's supposed to do. It is a fascinating conversation. And I'm really excited that he was willing to be vulnerable. About I, it. I, I know where, you know, what he talked to you about and, and I can't stop thinking about it. I mean, not just because yeah. I'm not a pastor or anything, but like there's a lot of people who listen to this 
that are are entrepreneurs or they're creators or they you know they they have an idea and a vision that they go and they kind of build and they're builders they're makers you know and um yeah. i the idea like he 20 years ago you know built this community in seattle and formed this church and built it up and it's it's doing well and to walk away from the thing yeah. that you gave your life to creating that 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 is, you know, like something that really is challenging. The idea of that. Um, and, and to not shutter it. Like you're not shuttering, yeah. you're not shutting it down. No. You're just, you're realizing, okay, I'm, I'm walking away from this and it could, it will succeed without him. And that's what's so surprising. And again, not to give too much away, but you know, you know, he was in a position where he knows that, you know, the elders had his full support, that the only way he was going to get fired is if he fired himself. And he felt like that, that to make the church grow, someone has to take it to the next level. And he realized it wasn't him. I mean, I, I, I've never else. heard a story like it, to be honest. Like, I was trying to think of one, but I really couldn't. I like him. I respect him so much. But when we talk about humility, we tend to think of it as being people who just say, oh, it's not about me. It's about God. But it's just lip service until something like this happens. Like, if you haven't started something, then you don't know how hard it is to get step away and say, I trust the next generation to take this to places that I can't yeah. right now. And it's, it's so encouraging to see. Hey, uh, speaking of pastors and I mean, not to be flippant, but stepping down and I'm thinking about this past week, uh, Jesse and, and, uh, Tyler Daswick and I were in, in Chicago for Lollapalooza and Annie was in Chicago speaking at Willow Creek. And then this weekend, I not, again, not to be flippant with the news, but I felt like we should probably bring up, um, the news that hit about, uh, Willow this weekend. And it, it hits home to, for us, um, uh, because we have, we're friends with a lot of people that are um, affected by this. And, and so I just wanted to kind of tee it up. Annie, you were, you were at Willow on Sunday, the New York yeah. times. I was at church Sunday morning and got a New York times alert to my watch. That was the headline about uh, Bill Hybels, the founder of Willow Creek and um, more allegations of uh, misconduct have come out and it was very detailed and probably the most egregious of the accusations up to this point. Um, mm -hmm. If people don't know what's happened, you know, like some just strange, you know, things, rumors kind of were being said about um, how he treated uh, women, uh, sexual misconduct and things. And um, it, it was just, it was strange. It wasn't as um, at, at the initial um the initial reports weren't as egregious as many of the leaders in the, you know, that have fallen because of victims speaking out. It was more just like poor decisions and bad. It was just odd and, and, and not dismissing in any way um, what happened, but it was just confusing. And he stepped down. He was already stepping down, but he stepped down immediately. Our friend Steve Carter and Heather Larson took over the pastorship at the church. And it seemed like the ministry Which actually, was, I think it's important to say, Cameron, that they were put in that position by Bill before these allegations really started coming out. They were the secession plan yeah. for the future of Willow Creek was co-pastoring between Heather and Steve. Right. And Steve uh, doing a lot more of the teaching and speaking yeah. and Heather running the ministry. Um, it was an interesting model. Uh, again, it kind of fell into the same thing that Willow was always innovative and thinking um, a kind of one step ahead. And, and really, you cannot overstate the influence Willow Creek has had on the global church, especially the yeah. American yeah. church. And, and so like, it just kind of sped up the transition. And then the church never really acknowledged it. It was kind of st st strange, but in the air, but like, you're kind of wanting to move forward to and didn't know what to do with it. And then on Sunday, 
again, more uh, substantiated and, and, and more egregious uh, claims came out in the New York Times. And Annie, you were there speaking. I mean, at your well girl like Annie that, was preaching that Sunday. That morning. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. That is yeah. crazy. What happened and what was your experience and, and kind of kind of catch us up on where everything's at? Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was really something. I'll tell you what I know. I'll tell you a couple of things I know is true. Number one, what I know is true is that the church is the bride of Christ and it it will not die. The right. church. I don't know what's going to happen with Willow Creek, but the, the church. Big C. N- yeah. Big C church is going to be fine. Um, the other thing I know is true is you are always right where you supposed, where you're supposed to be. And that's the thing. I think I even said that to y'all on Sunday. That's the thing that the Lord kept reminding me is like, I knew this. I knew this. This isn't, I, you know, this didn't surprise me. And right. you're right where you're supposed to be, which was helpful for me because that is a strange situation to find yourself in. Um, but that morning when the article came out, uh, most of the leadership at church knew. I don't know how many people in the church, in the congregation knew what the, uh, the, the article, because it didn't come out in the Chicago Tribune or one that maybe people in Chicagoland would read on before they went to church. Um, we, you can't be sure how many people had heard the news ahead of time. And the leadership of the church just wanted to have a Sunday morning while they figure out what they do with these new allegations. Right. Which I think is really fair to kind of, you don't have to address things five minutes after they come out. Cause literally the article came out about 20, 30 minutes before church. Wow. And so you no company, if you're just talking companies, you know, or just talking executives, no, no companies have time to make a presentation to, you know, 15,000 people about the situation 30 minutes after it happens. Yeah. So, um, Steve got sick that morning before church. I was there. He was sick and left. And so he wasn't there for the Sunday morning services. And, uh, so Heather kind of ran the day and a worship leader stepped in and did the parts that Steve had done on the Saturday night service, which was really Impressive. He stepped in and interviewed Ira Glass, who was there, which now that I'm bros with Ira Glass, I'm pretty, I'm pretty impressed with myself. I'm just saying. Me and Ira Glass are pretty good friends. I would like to just say after she hung out, literally hung out with Ira Glass all day and like taking selfies and whatever, she's texting me and Jesse telling us about all of her wonderful fun times with Ira. And Jesse's going, yeah, we're best buds too. Tell him I said hi. And then she's like, oh yeah. He says, oh, I love Jesse. And da, da, da. and I'm on this text string. She's like, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I'm the only person here who's not best friends with Ira Glass. Also, yeah, I mean, it is pretty cool, Cameron. Also, you responded to, I'm the only one in this group chat that isn't best friends with Ira. And I was like, grandpa, we do not call this a group chat. <laughs> so, Well, Ira doesn't even respond to me and all of my very exciting investment opportunities. Right. We talked about that too. Moyles, Moyles, Moyles. Yeah, Moyles, Moyles, Moyles. Um, and so then I think, I think the important, another important part of the oh, Willow Creek story is that after church that day, Steve resigned and is no longer the pastor of oh. Willow Creek. Dude, so. He wrote a blog, Jesse, you were telling me about it. I haven't had a chance to yeah. read it yet, but he oh, wrote a blog. Beautiful. And the reason why he stepped down is you said because he was not comfortable with how the church handled the victims yeah. and the accusations. Yeah. And if, you know, he kind of, he was sort of the first one there to offer apologies to the victims. Good. 
uh, for 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 how the church had handled it up to now, which was essentially to um, deny there was any truth to their allegations, to suggest that they were conspiring right. against the leadership of um, Willow Creek, which now Willow Creek has offered an apology, but it followed Steve's. Yeah, yeah and that's right. Steve, you know, kind of had to put a line in the sand, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, and I encourage people to go read his blog, um, but I think this was kind of the final straw, that he did not yeah. want to see. And the other thing, too, is obviously it goes without saying, but I feel like we should say, you know, Steve is a friend of ours. He had a close friend. You know, he does the sports pod with us. And uh, we're, we, obviously, we've been friends with Shauna for a long time. We know a lot of people well, in that community. I mean, just, but first, people aren't aware. Shauna Nequist, who did a podcast with us and was a cast member on this show for for three years, uh, is Bill Hybels' daughter. The yeah. last names don't line up, so people don't necessarily yeah. know that. But yeah, yeah. yeah. very close and, to and, this. Yeah. And, and obviously we're, we're friends with them, very close with them and know how bad they've been hurt by all of this. But I think, like I said, it kind of goes without saying that first and foremost, our sympathies goes towards the victims Absolutely. and, and enduring years of silence, enduring the pain that was inflicted on them by this abuse. And then also, um, uh, enduring being called liars yeah. and being suggested that they were conspiring and, you know, there, I, I, like I said, I know that goes without saying, but I do want to say that's our first and foremost. It doesn't know. go without saying. Yeah. It's important that the church speaks up and, and says that. It, it just, see, I like the, the thing that I said earlier, like it was confusing earlier, like uh, up until this point, it was confusing. It was because not, again, not to belittle, like clearly something, something was off, something, and, but, but, but the way the But what you're saying was, is that none of the women were saying he had sex with me. Right. Right. They were all, there were other accusations around what would be considered. It was odd, bad decisions. It was just like strange. A a pattern of behavior that was very concerning. And that I think when you have someone in a position of power and you have people that are not in power or, you know, that are under that person's employ, then, you know, then patterns of sexual harassment and misconduct um, are, are very concerning and can be very damaging to the people that are the victims. But, you know, the and, thing that I'm, I'm in retrospect, I'm happy about those initial women who spoke up, even if the thing that they experienced wasn't as salacious as some of the other scandals that have hit, but they still spoke up and they cleared their conscience that, you know, this was wrong. And they made a way, right? That's they made saying. a way that, for these other stories. That's where I was going. That, the, that, that in the New York Times story, yeah. this, this victim um, that probably had the most egregious um, claims said that she finally got bold enough to say something because the other women spoke up, you yeah. know? And like, and um, I think a thing that's yeah. heartbreaking for a lot of people, I mean, the heartbreak in this story is practically unlimited, honestly. Yeah. I mean, the sadness across this story is so sad, but you know, for our friend Shauna and the people that are so close to their family, these women who have these stories are not strangers. No. Right. Like the woman this yeah. Sunday lived in their house for two years. Right. Yeah. And so the, this is, this is so deep and so painful. And my heart is so for Shauna and Aaron and their kids and for Steve and Sarah and their kids. I mean, and I'm Lynn. so team Steve Carter. I, I couldn't be a bigger fan of that man. I plan to be friends with him for a really long time. He is, he is so full of if integrity. He'll have I, you. 
He's not Ira Glass. You can't just be friends with him because you choose to. If he'll have you, you'll be friends with him. Okay, okay, sure, sure, sure. If he continues to agree to the plan, we will remain friends. But actually, that is how I do friendship, Cameron. That's what I did to you, too. I was like, yeah, oh, we're in this You drill yourself you into did. a friendship. You just latched on and wouldn't let go. It was that's like... <laughs> oh, well, it worked, didn't it? Now it you did. can't resist me. But I, I've burned a lot of bridges with friends, particularly like randos from high school I haven't talked to since graduation when I messaged them out of the blue, seeing if they're interested in my morning. <laughs> and uh, I'll just say I'm not going back to any high school reunions. Something that I saw on Twitter regarding all of this a lot that, that I feel like is worth all of us addressing, and I, and I would like you guys' thoughts on this, is that yeah. the, the impression that there could be a me- more muted response to this because in so many ways, Willow Creek, uh, Bill and Lynn and, and Shauna are, are, are guys. They're, they're extremely well-respected uh, group of people who we all have a lot of love for. And, and obviously, the conversation around this has been uh, fraught with a little more complication than it is with somebody like Harvey Weinstein or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And well, I think that it's uh, I, I understand that. I understand that. I think that's a really fair, uh, fair temptation for people, especially pastors, people with a platform, people with a, a big voice. And uh, it, accountability doesn't mean anything if it's not if it doesn't work when it's your guy. And and for a long time, yeah. Bill has been our guy, and and many members of his family have been involved with relevant and not just relevant, but a lot of different Christian platforms. And and I yeah. I hope and my prayer is that we will pay uh, that we will be that the victims, the people who have been hurt by hurt by him, credibly credibly accused him of hurting them, will take precedent over protecting a powerful man. Yeah. And I think it's also important to remember that what God did through Willow for the last 40 years, God did through Willow. Like that is still every good thing that came from that church. All of us are screw ups and God uses us. Right. And he has used that church and that family. And um, no matter where this ends up, we can still thank God for the international impact that Willow, Willow Creek Community Church has had on people of faith and people who aren't of faith, you know? Yeah. And I don't think it's too late for them to, to handle this in a, in a way that could, that could really bring. Uh, I think it might be, I could be, I think it might well, be. I, I think, I think the, the damage is definitely, <laughs> yeah, you can't done. undo, you can't undo. What's you can't done, undo but, calling but, the women liars. Yeah. Please hear me. Please hear me yeah. on that. I'm not saying that they could mitigate or, or that they can erase that. But, um, but I would like to see, uh, some ownership of what happened Take, because yeah. there's not going to be, I, I saw a quote yesterday and you have to forgive me. I forget who actually said it, but it, it rung really, it wasn't regards to this, but it rung as very true that there is a, that no, no truth, no matter how damaging is as painful as a lie. Mm. And uh, I, I think yeah. that in this case, the truth is very, very damaging, but uh, it's not as damaging as, as a, uh, as owning up, as not yeah. owning up to what happened. Yeah, I think, you know, you're right in that, like, it's never too late to start doing the right thing. It's not going to undo the things you did wrong, but it can certainly prevent, you know, further hurt. And this is an opportunity to start doing things right, hopefully. I, there's two yeah. ways, there's, you know, two ways to learn something. You know, somebody showing you what to do and then seeing what not to do. And, yeah. and hopefully... Frankly, given their global position and leadership in the, in the body of Christ and the influence that Willow Creek has, hopefully the good that could come of this is in other instances at churches and Christian organizations or just in general, we can look at, it doesn't pay to like, 
you know, belittle the accusation. We need to lead, right. we need to lead boldly in humility. We need to assume the, you know, like start with listening to the victims and not, you know, preferencing or preferring the people in power, you know, like we need to like learn from this. Like if, if Willow goes down or not, like we need to learn from this. And this needs okay, to be a so wake that, up call for the church. That makes me raise a question to you guys, because so many of our friends who listen are in our age bracket that are pastors, right? So they're late twenties to mid thirties and then Cameron. So my question to y'all is what would you guys, what's a piece of advice that, cause none of us are experts and none of us are totally on the inside, but take like two minutes and say, what would you say to young pastors that they can learn from watching this happening at Willow? What can they learn to protect themselves and their families? Well, I, I don't know if I can speak to people that are specifically in ministry because I've never been in a ministry capacity. But I do know for Christians, our example is the example of Jesus. And look at the people who Jesus sided with. It wasn't the people in power. It wasn't the people who had influence. It was the people on the ground and people who were experiencing hurt and experiencing pain, whether that was, um, you know, victims of a system that was oppressive, whether it was, you know, uh, uh, the, you know, the, a, a woman being, uh, you know, shamed and almost stoned, you know, um, whether it was someone that was hurting because, um, they, they were, were sick or, or someone who, uh, was an outcast, uh, because of circumstances outside of their control. Jesus always, always, always sided with the people who were not in the positions of power. And he had compassion for the people that uh, were socially in a lower place than other people. And I think I, I can't, you know, in a ministry context, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't want to pretend I do, but I do know the gospel is pretty clear on that. For, you know? for me, like one of the things is almost like preventative, like, like number one, don't put yourself in the situations where this becomes a, an yeah. issue in your life. And I think looking at this pattern uh, of powerful men, uh, not just in the church, but outside, you know, abusing people under them, it's, it's, it's men, it, it's, it, it's people in power without accountability, like in time, like, bad things usually happen. And I'm not saying sexual misconduct, but bad things, ego, power, greed, you know, that, like it, things get off track without accountability. And I think if we want to like be a generation that can kind of change this cycle, I think we got to start earlier and be so, so uh, intentional about accountability and transparency and vulnerability and having checks and balances in our life. And this has nothing, mm -hmm. uh, even if you're pastor or not, like, you know, I, uh, a few months ago, I started uh, dating somebody and immediately like Jesse talked to me in my kitchen ab about, about her and about the relationship. My pastor took me to lunch and said, I'm going to walk this out with you. And like, like it's important to have people in your life that are involved and that there's no little shadows and, and hidden corners in your life and that yeah. you live with a glass door. I, I mean, honestly, I'm intentional. Our office has no doors and the, the few that we have are glass. Like, I mean, accountability and transparency is so vital because I think that's where things get off when you can get away yes. with something. Human nature wants to get away with something. That's right. And like when yeah. you're unhappy or you're unfulfilled and whatever, and you're looking for affirmation or you're looking for something or excitement, something, things get off track. I was at a church where the pastor 
uh, ended up falling because it came out that Me he had too. a three-year relationship with his secretary. And they had this private mm-hmm. little nook up there and nobody knew what was going on. And like, there was no accountability and there was no transparency. And that's where bad things happen. Again, it's not just sexual misconduct. There's a million ways that things can get off track. Yeah. And so like intentionally putting a support system in place that you have people in your life that can call you out. You have people in your life that will walk with you. You have, you are, you will listen to corrective instruction and, and not put a, a power structure in your life where you have yes men around you or yes people who just like do what you bid. I and mean, and we I gotta think be what's careful about key that. to that is if you look over the story, there were, there were so many times throughout the last two decades where somebody in, in Bill Hybels immediate circle, even on his board raised a warning flag and said, we are, this is yes. what we are perceiving. This does yes, not look Tyler. good. And they were ignored. And God uses people that we have in our lives to st- say true things to us. And if your first instinct is to shut those people out or to get defensive and say, that's not true, then I would caution yeah. you. And I would, especially as a man speaking to other men, I would caution you, especially if these are women coming to you saying we perceive things about how you treat other women, uh, things involving sexuality and romance. These are very sensitive issues and it's very easy to get defensive about it. But it's if this is happening, then then your first instinct as a leader, as somebody in a position of authority needs to be what I am presenting is not lining up with who God has called me to be in leadership. And because and, and I think there are opportunities that were presented here to get away from where we're at right now. And they were ignored. And now we have uh, one of the most heartbreaking stories that I've ever heard of yeah. from yeah. an American church in my yeah. lifetime. Yeah. And I just yeah. think you have to be careful of the little yeses you're making every day because they add up to a big yes in the long run. The, the, yeah. the things we, the yeses we can't see, um, that uh, the, the things that Bill Hybels is accused of that we can see, there are yeses before that that we can't see that were that were way smaller that were you know like I mean what you're googling is going to matter in ten years with who you become right like there are all these everyday things that we need to say okay well if I'm saying if I'm sneaking this little if I'm sneaking five dollars in like thirty years I may sneak five million dollars and think I'm not going to get caught because yeah. I didn't get caught when I was sneaking five. And that can be financially or emotionally or sexually that you think the little yes today that you would never have an affair or you'd never steal a lot of money or you would never lie to your church and you wouldn't, but you would say a little yes to this and a little yes to that. And suddenly that isn't such a big yes anymore. And so we just, we have to be so careful, um, which is annoying, right? Because there are a lot of people who don't think about all this stuff. But we, the four of us, all of us here are in some version of a leadership position in the church. And anyone who's in a leadership position in the church, it is a gift, but also it's a, there's a cost to that. And we have to live differently. Will you tell my parents that Chandler's in a leadership position in the church? Because it would make their life. If, if, <laughs> if, 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 yeah, yeah, I'm having dinner with so them next true. week. I'll tell them. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I said four. I knew what I was doing. I counted. Sorry, Mark. He had the podcast, and I know this is church for a lot of listeners out there. This is the only church you go to. We're aware of it. We don't call you out on it, but we are aware. <laughs> yeah, and we would like to introduce you to a very opportunity, Chandler. The floor is yours. Well, normally uh, right around here is uh, where we tell you about the show's sponsor, the the organization uh, making this episode possible. But this week is an unusual announcement that I want to do right up here at the beginning of the show before we get into I'm our normal 
dumbness. <laughs> An announcement before the dumbness. Let's hear this. <laughs> we have a big thing coming up at the end of the month. The last week of August, August 27th, uh, that entire week, we are doing for the first time ever something we're calling Impact Week. We partnered with Bright Peak, who's been partnering with us all year on the Love and Money Project, and we uh, present them the idea of doing Impact Week. And what it is, is we are going to, for the five days that week, each day, find a different organization, a different goal, a different initiative, and rally our audience around this goal. One day we might be Let's try to build the most wells we can with Charity Water. One day we might be, let's raise money to free X number of people from trafficking. One day, it's just going to be a bunch of different things. Domestic, global. We have a lot of stuff in the hopper. A lot of stuff happening. The the exciting thing too is it's not just like we're going to be accomplishing all these great things with our audience. It's we're going to be producing a lot of content that if you like the podcast, uh, then you're going to really enjoy because we're going to be going live throughout the week with updates and things. Throughout the week. And the reason why it made sense for us to partner with Bright Peak to do this is really interesting. And actually what I'm about to tell you is what helped us think of this idea. Yeah. So Bright Peak uh, does financial services. It's a Christian organization over 100 years old, and they're a nonprofit. So when you I think, think about financial sorry, services... I think they're actually not for-profit. It's the same thing. I, th- I, I thought they were like different distinctions. Uh, 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 but I'll, I'll say it. That's fine. And they're actually not for-profit. And so when you think about financial institutions, banks and investments and insurance and stuff, these are the most biggest conglomerates and most profitable and profit-minded things. And so Bright Peak is completely different. In fact, with some of their, with their members, when you're a Bright Peak member and you do their insurance or their investments or whatever, um, part of what you get at the end of the year, you'll get money back from them to invest in social good and volunteerism and maybe backpacks for local school kids yeah. in your area. And they, you will get a check to go and participate and do charitable work, which is an amazing thing. And then they also, as an organization, fund a lot of charitable initiatives. So we called them and said, hey, what if we got the relevant audience focused on goals in this one week of like try to move the needle to make difference? Would you participate and like kind of pour gas on the fire? Yeah. And so like, you know, what will happen is Bright Peak isn't, it's not gonna be like a dollar for dollar match thing. We are gonna involve them in like some interesting ways to like accelerate and further the impact of the money we're raising. And they're going to participate too, which is really cool. Yeah. So like we're partnering with them and they're going to be giving more than all of us. It's going to be really an amazing week. Um, and like what I love about it is like you could give to a lot of these organizations anytime, but if you do it during impact week, the giving will be um, accelerated and multiplied because of the partnership with Bright Peak, which and, is really cool. And the, the other thing cool, the other cool thing about Bright Peak is like they have like a ton of like resources available that, you know, can help in all manner of your financial life. But particularly like if you're like, man, I want to be involved with this um, and you want to find some margin. They have something called the Illuminate budgeting app that you can use to kind of see where money goes. And actually, so start putting away, start, you know, squirreling away some nuts right now because right. come impact week, you're going to be a part of this, you yeah. know? And so like you said, each day we'll have a different goal. We'll have different things going on throughout the day. We'll be going live. We'll be doing podcasts. We'll be doing video. We'll have guests. We'll have maybe some psychological endurance challenges. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff to try and move the needle in a short amount of time for a lot of these different goals. If you want to find out more, 
and be kind of that early first wave of uh, participating, uh, head over to our website, relevantmagazine.com slash impact week. And you can uh, put in your email there and you can find out more about the specific plans for the week. Obviously, we're going to be talking about this more and more leading up to impact week at the end of August. But I wanted to let you know, we partnered Bright Peak. Impact week is coming and uh, it's going to be, it's, oh, man, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Hey, uh, moving the show along, uh, I mentioned that we were all in Chicago this week and uh, we were there for our annual music pilgrimage uh, to Lollapalooza. Uh, Jesse and I every year go to South by Southwest and Lollapalooza and, you know, it's our, our, our cheat sheet of how to, you know, experience a ton of the artists that we cover and discover new ones. Um, uh, we want to pull Tyler Daswick in. Uh, and and uh, do a, a a different kind of Lala recap every year. We do like a a few minutes, like telling you guys the highlights and some of the artists that broke out that caught our attention. And uh, this year was no different. It was a great it was a great few days. It was the shortest Lala I've ever been to. I was at Hillsong Conference in New York for a few days, and then went to Chicago to kind of like undo everything <laughs> that Hillsong Conference did. No, and I went to Lollapalooza. I was only there for a day, um, but Jesse and Tyler were there the whole run. So, and just for a few minutes to uh, join us for our Lollapalooza highlights. Welcome to the show, Tyler Daswick. Thank you so much. Uh, this was your second Lollapalooza. You went as a fan when you were living in Chicago yeah. in college. And this is your first professional experience with Lollapalooza. Yes. How was it? Wow. Uh, well, first of all, I mean, I, uh, I, the, the first time I went was uh, when Paul McCartney and Metallica played. Yep, so so definitely there. like an old guard. I know, right? Usually the lineups are 80% stuff relevant covers. And yeah. then their headliners are usually confusing. Right. Like that, <laughs> it's like, what? Like, this is like, you know, the XX and, da, 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 yeah. and all these cool bands. And then like, Metallica's headline. Yeah, this is bizarre. And yeah. opposite Metallica it, that year was Sam Smith. It like could not have been more different. Well, they do that on purpose jarring. to like split the crowd, right? Yeah. No, you know, sure. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was a younger, it was a younger, cooler audience. I will say this: the vape pen game was very strong this year. They had more vape pens per capita than than I've ever seen in Lala. Yeah, that's How true. How many between the three of y'all? Six or seven? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you were to do the ratio, there were hundreds per person vape pens. But yeah, it was a younger crowd. But they also had. I felt Way like this year, the the, the question is the question is are 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 we just getting older and the crowd staying the same? I think that's. the I case. mean, the math of that is really true. You know what I'm saying? But no, I will to Tyler's point. The headliners were young this year. It's like the weekend, yeah. not Paul McCartney. Right. So the the older people who are music fans who would have come out in previous years did not come out. And it was mm. a it wasn't like it's usually like college, twenties, and then some others, you know, a little younger, a little older. It was it was high school yeah. and some college. <gasps> yeah. Yes, the girl next to me on the plane was in high school and she was leaving. At, when I was leaving Willow, she was leaving Lollapalooza and she was in high school. Yeah. And yeah. in the hotel lobbies, like the cool moms were hanging out with the, the like the six high school girls that they brought. You know what I mean? Right. Like it was it was a different crowd this year. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that meets the acts like the big the big names were uh, Post Malone, Tyler, the creator, Logic, The Weeknd, you yeah. said Bruno Mars. It was just people that high schoolers like, and there wasn't, there wasn't the Metallica. There wasn't the Paul McCartney. So I, I am not arcade fire. Or, I mean, there was nothing. Yeah. Older, right. I, know. I felt too old for Lollapalooza. I am not an old person. Yeah, what are you, 24? <laughs> 24, man. Yeah, 24. 24. I'm 42 years old. 42. 42. Not an old well, Lollapalooza. What was but the I, highlight? Like what was, so it wasn't maybe everybody's yeah. cup of tea, but what no, was no, the no, it was. It was a great, it was a great lineup, man. It wasn't that it wasn't, the music wasn't great. It was great. Yeah. 
It was a, yeah, it was uh, awesome. Oh, I loved I loved the look of the lineup. Yeah, so I mean, I think for me, I can run down. Okay, so one band, uh, I'll talk about a couple artists, and one people may know, a couple people may know, and some they may not. But one band I was really surprised with that I had actually seen and talked to at Lollapalooza years ago. Um, who you know, if you follow Relevant for a while, you'll know is Laney. Um, oh yeah, they had um, they played like the second biggest stage, at a really good slot in the early evening. And the the crowd was insane. They knew every word. It was a massive, massive crowd. Like it outpulled some of the main stage. High school age is their demographic, so that makes a lot of sense. So, so it's that they had that uh, Lakeshore stage, and and usually, like at any show, the front crush, you know, the first, you know, thirty feet is diehard fans of whoever the artist is hanging on every word. Yeah, you know, they they stood there all day for this moment, and then yeah. as the crowd goes further back, you get more spectators. You know, totally. Laney, 30,000 people, the people in the back were singing every word. Yeah, everyone yeah. knew Laney. Yeah. It was like a lot of people had shown up. Well, they for... read the feature in Relevant last year. And oh, yeah, so yeah. They, they were primed and ready. Yeah, yeah they, they had that Relevant Brilliantly bump. Brilliantly written. The, the infamous Relevant bump. But yeah, they were awesome. And, and you'd think their music is sometimes a little more loungy. Yeah. It really translated to the outdoor space. It felt really huge. Uh, the front man, what's the guy? Paul Klein? Is, a, is that the guy? Yep. Yeah. Paul Klein, super great performer. They were awesome. They were a highlight. Here, here's a clip of Laney. Yeah. So the, another artist I saw on a side stage that, that had um, a, a really big crowd. This was on Saturday afternoon was Daniel Caesar, who we've talked about oh, a lot. Yeah. But I mean, I didn't realize what a talented multi instrumentalist he was. And in, in, in addition to being a, you know, he, he uh, grew up in the church and it comes out in his music. Like, yeah, he, he absolutely he wasn't li- he wasn't allowed to listen to secular music growing up. And okay. I mean, he was like in, he was in the Cameron Strang lane. You know what I'm saying? Oh, there you go. Uh, but, <laughs> Now, but now he's like I'll say this his audience was not in the camera strength no line. no no no. It was a, he's, he spread his wings a little further than I have at this point uh, no but he Daniel Caesar is one of my favorite artists so I wasn't at that show so it, it translated live huh because I love his album oh totally and like I said I think it's because he's such like in addition to great performer a talented musician you know he had, he would you know be dancing around one minute and then have like an electric guitar strapped on him the next yeah. and really could really play I was super impressed with this set so okay uh, speaking of great artists and stuff uh prior to this show daz has had a strong opinion that post malone is not good right and i'm going really you, you can't write 50 radio hits and not have talent yeah. we were all curious that how it would translate live he's also really good at playing guitar yeah so it, oh, he's a great that. producer songwriter yeah. Yeah, like everything super good yeah, okay. at guitar and so so i i knew he had more chops than the stoner rock stoner rap thing you would think but I was curious live. First of all, I have never seen a daytime crowd. He was like that five o'clock slot was still light out. But yeah. dude, I have not seen a crowd for as big. And that's what I'm saying. He should have headlined. He should have yeah. headlined. Yeah. Yeah, because really there was easily 100,000 people Easy. at his show. Easy. It, it was, was insane. It was spilling into the street. Yeah. Behind wow. yeah. the stage. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay. You saw his set. Yeah. What are your thoughts of him as a performer now or as an artist? Oh, definitely exceeded expectations. Okay. Because the, really? I think 
Yeah, because here was my impression before. And it was just him on stage, by the way. There was no yeah. band up there with him. He pulled a Kanye. I mean, where it's just like me solo on the stage for the entire set. That's and right. He was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, he really had to carry it himself. And he did. I mean, I thought this guy was just a vanilla pandering hit factory. Yeah. And in terms of the songwriting, like, yeah. whatever, Yeesh. like money, cars, women, like we get it. Yeah. But man, the dude really like puts a lot into the performance. He was reaching to the back and I was back in that 90,000, 100,000 range. Everyone was jamming, knew all the words the dude puts on just banger after banger. Yeah. It was great. It was crazy. Yeah. I, and the thing I love about Lala is like, I go, I, like I stayed for maybe 30, 25, 30 minutes of his set. And then Jesse and I bumped and, and saw other shows. I love like bouncing around, seeing like 20 minutes of an artist. And yeah. Then go to the next one. I'm sure the artists hate that, but my, it's that interesting. Is, I'm a completionist. Like, I like the, I, I like to park there from the opening to last night. I'm so aware of what I'm not listening because I've chose to be here. If this song isn't the world's yeah, best yeah. song, I'm going to go bounce and see the next one. Is that yeah. why people kept leaving while I was teaching at Willow? Uh-huh, were they yeah. just going to see the next <laughs> yeah, pastor, exactly. the next church? Yeah, well, they, they actually, what they're doing the is they, they read the New York times article on their phone and then, so, Who, so are y'all gonna, is this already in line? I want to know what the best show is that y'all each saw. Who yeah, is the best? Well, can I? Talk, I'll, I'll get. I'll tell that Will after just, just two She's more, bored, two Jesse. more quick artists. I wanted to, to shout out that are both kind of similar musically. Maybe we can play clips of both. Um, that both had new music drop the same weekend as they were playing, which is always very cool. Um, and we actually got an opportunity to talk with both of these bands. Um, uh, one is Lovely the Band, who has their single Broken, like blew up out a few weeks ago, but they actually released no, a no, full no, no, album. No, no, no. It's on, been going for months. I mean, but it is, it is like one of the songs of the summer. Yeah. It, I um, mean, it's, it's like 160 million, uh, yeah. Spotify streams, but their yeah. full album released on Friday. So the day we got to talk to them and the day that they played, their album had just come out. Um, I think they are, you know, they play the same stage as I saw Bleachers on a few years ago and then bleachers be you know had their big moment i think lovely the bands can have a big moment uh chandler if you don't mind playing a clip The other one, kind of along those lines, has been around for a while, but I was really impressed with. And I think their album, which, again, they just dropped new music. They just put out a brand new music video on Friday, um, just a couple days ago, is Arizona. Who, oh, I like um, those guys. Oh, great. Yeah, but it, both, of the, both of those bands are really good. If you Jesse, like poppy like, full transparency, rock. Jesse just likes Arizona because he interviewed them. And then they realized that they were from the same hometown in New Jersey that his wife is from. They did. So they hit it off. And they invited Jesse to hang out and get some pretzels at this no, shop. Uh, they yes, invited me to wing night. They said, hey, wing man, night. this is, the, we're, uh, yeah, we've been hanging for a while. Guys, don't be hating. You have so just many because, cool friends. I know, I know. He's highlighting Arizona because he, he's buddies with him now. Oh, hey, you know who else was awesome in Chicago that weekend? Ira Glass. Here's a clip. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a All clip right. of Ira and Annie being friends. All right, real quick around the table. Uh, best performance you saw. Cameron, you want to go first? I was only there one day. Yeah, Facts. only there one day. So right. I'm very limited with what I can pull from. Yeah. Okay. I didn't see a bad show. I probably saw 10 artists. Um, I, I got to say, and I, I, this is, we say ended it. the night say it. with Bruno Mars. Yeah, man. It was. Oh, I love him. It was 
It, listen, I know you're good. doing Michael. I know you're doing Motown. I know you're show. pulling from uh, James Brown. I know I can identify the influence song by song. But that guy who cares? puts on a show yeah. like yeah, you've never good. seen. Right. I, cu- I lost count of how many fireworks went off. I mean, it was like it was just really? an overwhelming sensory experience. Everybody was having a great time. Everybody knew every song. It was just like, yeah. it was a great moment. Uh, Bruno Mars crushed it. It was just yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, Everyone likes it. Bruno. Everyone's mom likes Bruno. Everyone's grandma likes Bruno. D- Daz, what was the best show you saw, man? Uh, my favorite performance came... Uh, Really, really out of the blue. I did a little uh, Lollapalooza roulette uh, going into the festival where I just looked at the lineup, pulled some bands at random, downloaded their last album on Apple Music, listened to it on the plane there. Right. And one of those bands was Greta Van Fleet. Oh, sure. Are a, uh, they are sort of like a hardcore old school rock band, kind of in the style of like a Led Zeppelin. Which is a male fronted band led zeppelin band so greta van fleek sounds like it's a female artist yeah, right, it's right, right. not yeah. it's an ironic name i guess yeah all dudes uh and they are rock stars and we saw them probably like it was around like a 6 30 ish small side stage yeah and we were going to kind of yeah. like make a pass before going to get our contact high at post malone <laughs> <laughs> but, but man these guys really shred and we were uh, probably their second song we probably reached like minute seven on the solos. Yeah. It's funny to me is like you listen to them and it's like, okay, clearly they were influenced by Zeppelin, but I'm going, actually, I don't know that they were. They were influenced by the darkness. They were influenced mm, by like that yeah. era of the resurgence of, you know, the Zeppelin thing. Cause yeah, yeah. that's when they would have been coming up. Cause that was like 15 years ago. Right. And, um, I don't know. It was, it was interesting. So it was almost like the third generation of the Zeppelin jam band rock over the topness, you know? Yeah. Um, that's a great take, but I loved the performance cause it was so different <laughs> than anything else that's we saw. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. I'll say the, the, the artist I was super impressed with, I think he was actually on the same stage as, are you um, friends with him? I mean, just full disclosure. Not yet. I'll say this. Not yet. It's Atta a not boy. yet. Attaboy, it's Jesse. A That's yet. the way I live. Um, uh, Curtis Harding, who does oh, like yeah. R&B and soul. Ow. Man, his band was awesome. He was a, a killer performer. You felt like you were really watching an artist. Like, that could have fit in any era, and he would have been incredible. Like, Post Malone's only going to work now. You know what I mean? Like, his music's very up he the will, He will sadly define a generation. I mean, honestly, <laughs> yeah. we will look back yeah. at like... Post Malone defined right now. That's crazy yeah. to yeah, me. Yeah, he's sort of that like bedroom rap kind of. Yeah, like yeah. this is the first yeah, time exactly. that has happened, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas like the Curtis Hardings and Leon Bridges hearken to another time. They put their own twist on it. They evolve it, but sure. it's yeah. it's like we know where you're pulling from. I don't know where Post is pulling from. I mean, it's like emo rap. Yeah, it's he, like, emo. He really, really made is. his own yeah. lane. Didn't yeah, he? yeah. And now there's a several artists, a lot of artists that that um you know are in that lane but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's interesting that that's our <laughs> right now <laughs> the great innovator of our time post, post Malone, Malone. Yeah. <laughs> no but it is interesting like because you do it's because and you look at like the regionality of it too like Atlanta with the trap scene which is very collaborative you know you have what's going on in Toronto where they have their own style with like the OVO, OVO artists and then you have like these like bedroom artists who are basically inter- that their region is the internet where they don't they didn't grow up performing in clubs they grew up putting songs on SoundCloud you know and 
you know, it's an interesting time for hip hop and, and, and pop music, but it's the convergence of a lot of things. But that's this great thing. We're going to Lollapalooza is you get exposed to all of it over the course of a couple of days. There was, there was one artist talking about the bedroom artist, like, cause that really is a thing. I mean, enormous yeah. artists literally just made the song in the bedroom, put it on SoundCloud and blew yeah. up. Right. And now they have, on their own track, but they don't have the live performance chops. I yeah. went and saw um, Lido, which is one of those artists. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. and I was walking by, it was side stage, small stage, and I, it was great music and drew me in and went and looked. And he was on stage by himself. It's almost like if you ever seen Jack Garrett perform, he's like surrounds himself with yeah. synthesizers and instruments and he's like one man band. Well, except Lido like had what I assume was crippling stage fright because he was sitting sideways playing his keyboard yeah. and singing, like not, not looking, looking at, the, at crowd. the audience. And like, and then he would turn around to the other keyboard and whatever, and never made eye contact, never interacted with the crowd, just kind of did his thing, deconstructed the music da, 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 and built it live. And I was going, this is what he does in his room. This is what he does. Right. Like he couldn't translate it to a live experience. Whereas somebody like post or artists like that, that kind of came up that lane have somehow evolved it to a live thing. And they've figured out how to be performers as well as artists. A lot of these guys are just artists though. Yeah, I, it was it was the most boring show. Lido was like boring, but the music was great. It was like yeah. I was just I would just rather just like put it in my you know put on my headphones and walk well, around yeah. listening to. He's like a producer though, so I mean it's a little yeah. different. Yeah, that's true. Um, Chandler, classic Chandler line. Well, here's a clip of uh, <laughs> he knows his people. Here's a clip of Curtis Harding. All right, well, that's all the music talk. I mean, this has been, this is the, this is us. The beginning of the show has been us. Yes. Talking about moils, talking about uh-huh. church, church, and crisis, and how to not do that moving forward, and yeah. Lollapalooza. That's us. Yeah. Just Isn't a little it kind bit of secular. exciting that, that all three of those categories, we're the generation that gets to decide what happens next? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. I'm sure we'll do fine, especially in the moil front. Particularly, uh, the, I was the future leaning is in our the, the future is in our hands. Working on a business plan over here. Hey, moving the show along, it is time for our look back at what happened in culture and entertainment. It's time for. In case you missed it. Hey, in case you missed it, uh, this week, Usher commented on one of our Instagram posts. That's right. Uh, Urban Mc- yeah, Urban McManus explained um, how he has become friends with Usher through Mosaic Church. Uh, and we posted on Instagram. Uh, so the pastor of the LA-based church posted an image of the two hanging out on Instagram saying, this week I've been highlighting some of the beautiful people that have come into my life at Mosaic. He said that the pop star is, quote, one of the kindest people I've ever met, explaining every once in a while you meet someone and you sense a deep connection of your souls. We were brothers from the start. It was easy because the journey he is on and the tenderness of his heart. Rarely have I shared a meal with someone and they tell me their only agenda is to get to know me. And so then in our post, because we grabbed that, and you know, if you follow Relevant on Instagram, we're covering things that's our you know, that are out there. Yeah, that's our link. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, uh, we, we posted, what was our caption, Jesse? It looks like Mosaic Church found a new usher. That's right. <laughs> that's <laughs> funny. I laughed. I didn't yeah. see that part. Yeah. Uh, so if you scroll down in the comments, uh, Usher uh, did a little humble smiling emoji and a little praise hands emoji. I think he was praise handsing our, our clever caption. Oh, for absolutely. I mean, I don't think no, no I'm not throwing shade against Erwin McManus, who's recently on the show. Um, but that was for us, not you. So 
<laughs> yeah, I think you should screenshot that and put it on your uh, put it like on your desk, like print it out, Jesse. That's a high yeah. praise to your jokes. I, I should you know, probably I, that, actually. I, I got to give credit to JD. We do we, we we talk about Instagram posts, you know, and I I will say that I brought the post to the table, and and JD was like, we have to make a church usher joke. I was like, I think you're right, man. Um, <laughs> Jesse, I think usher. I think you know how some sometimes Annie knows this. How sometimes people will comment on your Instagram posts because they want to be your friend. They yeah. want to get to know you. Yeah. You know, I like most of Annie's comments, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like most of the ones I'd leave on other ones. Yeah, probably. And the one, and the one, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I know where you're going. Usher, hey, Cameron, Usher wants to be your friend. I, I would like to address, I would like to address Usher directly right now. Okay. Yeah. Friend, yeah, yeah, the, DMs, the DMs are open. Slide on in. Let's, <laughs> let's talk. Let's be buds. Jesse, you're having quite a year of friendship, buddy. You're just amping up those it's, friendships. It's really exhausting to be me. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, in case you missed it this week, Guy Fieri uh, traveled to yes. Redding, California to feed wildfire evacuees with, with donkey sauce, I assume. Uh, <laughs> following the massive wildfires that destroyed more than 700 homes throughout the region, the donkey sauce mastermind traveled to Redding to help feed some of the 14,000 people who fled their homes because of the fire. He worked alongside the Salvation Army to feed evacuees, organizing nearly 20 volunteers and setting up a temporary kitchen to serve meals. He told the local news, uh, we just did lunch for 750 people and we're getting ready to do dinner for that same group right now, trying to keep the menu interesting. It's unbelievable to see what folks are going through, but also how great this community is. We're in tough times in the world and with all the things going on. And boy, you take a moment like this and you really see what America is made of. A lot of great people coming together. The move comes a few months after a viral stand-up bit from the comedian Shane Torres made a very strong case that Guy Fieri is actually a really great dude. Here's a clip. And look, I get it. I don't want to hang out with Guy Fieri either, okay? I know he looks like a hot topic manager moonlighting out of Fridays. <laughs> but he didn't do anything wrong. Well, what else has he done, Shane? I'm so glad you asked. He goes around the country to small businesses and gives them free advertising on a national yeah. platform on a weekly basis. Advertising those small businesses could never afford themselves with his own television show. But because his hair looks like he was electrocuted while drinking Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> Does that convict you, Jesse? All your years of Guy Fieri jabs? Well, you know what's funny is not that same bit, which I couldn't play because of profanity in its entirety, but people can, if they don't have little ears in the room and they're comfortable, um, uh, you know, violating their ears, they can go listen to Shane's <laughs> entire bit, which I have. And, uh, if they're like, they're basically saying like, this is a guy, cause he's a very, Guy Fieri's a very charitable dude, does stuff like this all the time. And they're like, you know, the whole bit is like, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to butcher a joke, but I'm going to say it anyway. But like, you know how they're, they're just, everyone likes just dumping on him for chasing his dream. It's like, he's the Nickelback of cooking. And then he's like, by the way, what did Nickelback ever do? Except for making 40,000 bros really happy. And he's like, what do you want them to do? 40,000 bros walking around angry. He's like, they're doing a service. So, that's a good hat point. tip, hat tip, Shane. I'm with that's you. I mean, I think that's one of my very favorite things about diners, drive-ins and dives is he literally there. Those restaurants are getting the amount of business they would never get if he wasn't going and eating from their menu. I think it's awesome. Uh, the the uh, here in Orlando we have a thing called Disney Springs. They redid this huge area. It's entertainment, nightlife, restaurants, and there's world class restaurants. There's like you know Morimoto and like I mean just all the best of the best celebrity chefs opened all these new restaurants. And then there was for years there's been a Planet Hollywood there, and so they reimagined it they redid it kind of bring it more upscale so it's in this new 
um, era, right? And the way they reinvented Planet Hollywood, the Planet Hollywood experience, is they brought in Guy Fieri to do a new menu. Mm. And so, like, you walk by on these high end restaurants and all these high end shopping, and then you walk by what, the the new Planet Hollywood, and there's this big old Guy Fieri sign, like "Come on in," you know, like I was like, yeah, just <laughs> real talk. It probably does more business than a lot of yeah, those. It does. Like, I'm you sure know, it does. he's appealing to to the mainstream. You know, someone has to be the CBS sitcom of cooking. You know. <laughs> Someone's exactly. got to set through, set up Someone three cameras, right non drugs, yeah. and a laugh track, and that's what you get with the Guy Fieri menu. It's not highbrow, but it's what the people want. He's giving it to them, you know. Right? Hey, speaking of the the Reading wildfires, I'm you know obviously we we cover we've been covering it on our site and stuff. I and mean, we haven't mentioned it here on the podcast. It's been a crisis we've been watching, you know, and covering and, um, you know, keep, yeah. keep that in your prayers. I mean, it, obviously Bethel music is based there in Bethel church and all their huge ministry. And, uh, a lot of the people in that ministry have been affected. Um, ha, you know, and it's just, it's a tough situation. I mean, there's yeah so many people displaced. Yeah. And, and yeah. And I was, I would say to you, Bethel church now has been doing a, a drive and they're partnered, I believe with the Salvation Army to, to help the community there. So you can check out them on social media to learn out more about those efforts. And y'all know one of my sisters lives there and her husband. Oh, and wow. first of all, I didn't know you had sisters. I have sisters. And one of them lives in Reading and has a husband. And they sent pictures yesterday that they, everyone has to wear face masks all the time right now because the air quality is oh, so wow. unhealthy. So And it's, SARS, it's also SARS. Mm-hmm. But my, you know, my favorite, and I've said this before, SNL skit of all time is, and it's very underrated and no one would ever have this on a list for good reason because it's one joke, but they just play it to the death. Is um, And it's a very minor host. It was Peter Sarsgaard, the actor. And they did a whole bit where he has rented the late night TV time to try to sell off a warehouse of Peter Sarsgaard Sarsgars. And there's there's like Sarsgaard's mask. And he explains how he's invested all of his acting money during the Sars scare. Like his agent talked him into investing in Peter Sarsgaard Sarsgaards. And he's sitting on this warehouse. We now have an outlet. We now have an outlet. They need him in Redding, California for the air quality issues. Yeah. So Peter, somebody get Peter Sarsgaard on the phone. I would just love to be in the SNL writers room or like you hear about the infamous pitch meeting where they pitch the idea yeah. like Lauren Michaels and all the cast is right there. It's like, so it's Peter Sarsgaard this week. So I was thinking the skit would be he's he's selling Peter Sarsgaard Sarsgaard's. And they're like, well, what <laughs> was the skit? They're like, no, no, I mean, that's it. They're that's called it. Peter Sarsgaard's It was like a year. It was perfectly timed. It was like a year after the Sars scare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sars had come and gone. Yeah, come and gone. At that point, yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was great. Hey, in case you missed it, this week, John Gray and Don Lemon got into a heated debate about pastors' roles in politics. So actually, this is interesting. It was happening while uh, I was at Hillsong, New York last week, and he was one of the speakers. And so he was yeah. there in New York and then went over and was on Don Lemon's show. And all this kind of happened during conference. It was it was crazy. Uh, but, but John Gray was among uh, several black faith leaders recently invited to the White House to discuss prison reform measures. So CNN's Don Lemon invited uh, the pastor. Uh, he's pastor of Relentless Church in South Carolina onto the show to discuss the meeting, but admonished Gray, uh, claiming the meeting sent mixed messages about some of the president's more polarizing comments about race. Uh, John Gray, however, explained, with everything that I could have lost and could still lose, I believe that my voice was necessary because I was there for people who could not fight for themselves. Here's a clip of their exchange. Those people, for me, the answer is very simple. 
I went through every detail. Why would I go? What could I possibly gain? Which is nothing. Would and you my go wife back? would you do it again? Would I go back? If there were different circumstances, if I had assurances that we were going to meet about the intended uh, conversation, yeah, I would go back. Not because I agree. Because this is what's important. Alignment or even speaking does not mean agreement. Dialogue does not mean agreement. Sitting at the table doesn't mean agreement. And that's important. I don't agree with many of the policies, right. but it doesn't stop me from having conversation. Okay. The, I, gotta, uh, I, know if you, I don't know if you follow uh, Carl Lentz on Instagram. And Carl, pastor of Hillsong, New York, obviously was at conference and is very good friends with John Gray. Um, I saw it this morning. Um, he, like, posted a picture of the two of them and just went in on the comment. If you read the post, it's defending John and like saying, like I would understand leaders who uh, passed on the invitation, but the fact that he went to speak to those in authority and power about change that he wants to see happen. You know, he's like, I respect what John did. I mean, because John has gotten annihilated. I mean, if you look like on Instagram, he's had to shut down the commenting on, you know, he'll post a family picture and there'll be thousands of comments attacking him for sitting down with Trump. And so he's like turning off the comments on his posts and stuff. And then he did post one thing about the prison reform issue and and allowed the comments and stuff. You should read it. I mean, people, yeah. you know, I I would, you know, whatever. I, I, I've been invited to the White House a bunch of times. I, pro- I don't know that I would sit down with this president. But the fact that he went with intentionality to call for change and advocate for those who don't have a voice, you can respect where he was coming from. You can also respect people who disagree. But can yeah. we have a civil discussion here, people? That would be my, my question. I mean, people are like going after him. And it's, it's sad to yeah. see that the church is infighting the way it is. Yeah. And I was going to say, I, I think people, yeah, that, that whole clip is on our site, relevantmagazine.com, put a little plug in. And it's like a five-minute exchange. You know, you just heard 15 seconds of it. But it's, it's heated. And, but the thing is, like, John Gray's passionate in his defense of why he did it. And even if you don't agree with him, you have to respect his reasoning, um, you know, especially hear him and, you know, in this case, Don Lemon kind of going at it about it. Yeah. What was, uh, was Lemon's pushback? Lemon's pushback was he felt like it, it was being exploited as a photo opportunity that, I mean, at one point in, in their exchange, Don Lemon says something along the lines of, why don't you just do a conference call? Because now you, you can have your picture of him, you sitting next to the president is going to be exploited for, yeah. you know, publicity purposes, which yeah, honestly, you might have a point, but that's at the same a, time, that's not an unfair, uh, it's not unfair, but neither is John Gray's. Means, yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, one time I, um, I, I'm, I mean, I've referenced the wisdom that Rick Warren has spoken to me over the years on this show. And uh, if you don't know Rick, he wrote pa- Purpose Driven Life and Pastor Saddle back in California. And he's a very influential pastor. And and he navigates this world of of political stuff very differently. You know, like he doesn't buddy up with presidents. He kind of stays outside of it. And he told me once, like, it's important with with politics that you got to stay above the fray and, and uh, because politics will use you up and spit you out. They'll suck you up. It's intoxicating, and it'll just they'll use you and spit you out. And you have to stay above the fray as a as a church leader, frankly. And and uh, and that is the thing of being co opted. I remember, I mean, something came out where there was like you know the recorded conversations, that kind of tapes that came out with the current administration a few weeks ago, and they were discussing various church pastors. And the phrase discussed in the room was, "Can we use?" so-and-so. No, we can't use him. Yeah. Can we use so-and-so? Like they literally are looking for 
that photo op, almost endorsement thing. It's, it's like check a box. And you have to be careful of being a pawn in that. You know, if, you're, if the opportunity is there to speak change, go for it, you know, and speak to and challenge. But to just be co-opted, Politics will use you up and spit you out. And I, I just hope yeah. that Well, church the church leaders- will too, Cameron, to be fair, right? Yeah. I mean, they'll take pictures or put you with people or... I wish it was just politics, but yeah. you're right, it is politics, but it happens all the time. Well, they call that church politics. Yeah. So. Ah, Chandler? look at that. Cross. Good, good. Well, he knows because he's man, a leader. As a man in ministry. <laughs> as a man who is. Chandler is a man in ministry. He gets he it. He is a leader in the church. And most of the time, he's the one, you know. You hear that, Mr. Mr. Intentionally uh, causing some drama, but that's okay. So everyone's got a role, so. <laughs> brother, brother Strang over there. Uh, brother Strang. And in case you missed it, Hillsong Young and Free led worship on the Today Show this week. Uh, the worship group played the song Let Go from the new album, uh, Three, on NBC's morning show. Uh, the show has become a common stop for faith leaders like recently, uh, Jen Hatmaker, Hellsong United, Judah Smith, Brian Houston, T. Jakes, and others. Here's a clip of Young and Free's performance. How can you not like those songs? Like, <laughs> it's so good. Like, all of them. You, you know, from, from the old school Darling Check Down to uh, Young and Free. I mean, it's just good music. They're so innovative. Yeah. I just love it. Yeah. I totally love it. I'm with you. What you guys were talking about with the translating to the live thing, yeah. like their their recordings are so electronic and produced. produced. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they're able to make that well, they live they, le- they lead. I mean, like our, at Hillsong Conference, they led worship at several of the meet several of the services, and they. I mean, that's but what they sonically, do. It's on point though. It's and you know what yeah. I mean. Like it still sounds yeah. like the original, which is really impressive. Yeah. No, I mean they're they're great performers, but they're great worship leaders too. It's it's. It's crazy, like to see that very synth, and it's all live too. They aren't playing to a track when they lead worship. I mean, it's the synth guy there and the whatever. And it's you're right; it's like almost studio sounding. But it's cool. I, I, I also do think it's interesting that the Today Show has been so welcoming to faith leaders and artists. You know, like well, it's because Kathy Lee's an outspoken Christian, and she yeah. calls all her friends and invites them. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. an awesome thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of authors that Kathy Lee and Hoda kind of changed the game for those authors when they bring their books on. So yeah. it's it's a no joke. Do you, do, Annie, I was wondering, I know, you know, you might have some connections there. I got this book about uh, confessions of an of a moil millionaire. <laughs> And um, <laughs> really, it's self-published. Um, self-published. And Amazon has banned it for it's disturbing. Right. It's for it's for, disturbing, for quote yeah. unquote making false claims. But if you can get me on, I'd like you can have Don Lemon on. I'll debate him. I'm willing to plead my case that the things I said, despite what Amazon has said about their terms uh-huh. of use and liability and slander, uh-huh. uh, can be defended. And right. uh, bring me on to defend the Moyle book. I'm pleased, <laughs> Kathy Lee. I've got, I, I've got yeah, my I'll disagreements with this with this uh, administration, obviously, but he's done a lot for the Moyle community. And for that, I do have to respect, you know, I have to tip my hat to the- <laughs> I have, I have, um, I have one more. Well, he's a businessman. I have one more. He's a businessman. He's an it. entrepreneur. He, he, you know, he's pro business. That's he's, why. He's, yeah, here's he's a, here's deregulated. 
some of the you know deregulated the old Obama era red tape surrounding the oil yeah. business. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, yeah. Th- thankfully, I don't have to deal with it. That I don't have the health department sniffing down the neck my neck yeah. like I used no, to. No. And I will say, this. I will say, I will say this. I have some injectable moil that if you're looking for a skin tone that is, uh, you know, very distinct, let's just say. It's, in, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a, a hue, an orangish sun glow <laughs> hue. Um, I may or may not have a personal endorsement. I cannot talk about it again. Uh, but Kathy Lee had me on. We'll clear all this up. All of it up will be cleared. <laughs> hey, lastly, uh, in case you missed it, LeBron James is making a new docuseries about the intersection of sports and social issues. The three-part Showtime series will be called Shut Up and Dribble, Ooh, which, which is a wow. word-for-word criticism he received uh, after speaking out on social issues. Uh, the series director explained to ESPN, it's really an exploration of how basketball is truly America's game, and the NBA has been a vessel for black athletes to claim pieces of the American dream. LeBron recently opened the I Promise School in his hometown of Akron, which will serve at-risk youth in the area. There you go. You know, it's been uh, kind of misreported. I mean, I don't know. I'm not bringing him down. I think it's amazing what he's done in Akron. But like the I Promise School is a public school. So it's taxpayer funded. And he yeah. gave... T- but, but but he... Well, he put, he put up some of the money initially two, to, to... $2 million. Yeah. It's been reported that he's spent $44 million. He's put up $2 million. And then like there's still... Uh, the city of Akron and his foundation are still negotiating the specifics of the ongoing financial investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is a public school for underserved kids. He basically pray, uh, paid for major upgrades and and programs to be added to this underperforming public school. So yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not belittling what he did, but I think the perception was he opened this private school, free tuition, and it's not what it is. It's a public school in the area. All right, well, that'll do it for In Case You Missed It. Stay tuned. Up next, Eugene Cho joins us. You're listening to Lovely the Band. Look how timely. The song is Maybe I'm Afraid. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Lost Kings with uh, When We Were Young, featuring Norma Jean Martin. 18 years ago, uh, Eugene Cho and his wife, Minhee, founded Quest Church, a congregation in Seattle that's gone on to become one of the region's most influential churches for its emphasis on racial diversity and humanitarian outreach. However, recently, uh, Eugene shocked his congregation by announcing that he would soon be stepping down. Uh, This week, we spoke with Eugene about why he decided it was time for him to, quote, fire himself, the spiritual power of uncertainty, and what's next for Quest and his organization, One Day's Wages. Here is our conversation with Eugene Cho. So what sparked the initial announcement a few weeks ago that you'd be stepping down as the pastor of Quest Church? Yeah, uh, you know, I made the announcement about two months ago, and I'll be stepping down in the end of September. And um, obviously, it wasn't a flippant or whimsical decision. Uh, It's probably been something that I've been kind of mulling and wrestling with for probably a couple years. And... Um, you know, I would say that it, it began to uh, incubate a little bit when 
I, I get together with a um, both online or in person uh, with some other pastors and leaders and church planters. Initially, it was just for mutual encouragement, sharing best practices, trying to sharpen one another. And along the way, I think one of the conversations that organically came up is acknowledging that as founding pastors of our respective churches or longtime pastors, um, that unless there was some sort of like egregious moral failure, you know, our churches weren't going to ask us to leave. And, uh, you know, I share that with my church in the recent announcement, um, reassuring them, obviously, that there's no moral failure. But uh, I kind of realized that, you know, there needed to be some deep examination, some self-awareness uh, in prayer about, uh, am I honoring uh, my responsibilities? Am I still driving uh, the mission and the vision of our church as the senior pastor. And um, it's been 18 years and it's been an incredible journey. And uh, even I think about two, three years ago, I felt uh, this possibility in my spirit, but also sense the Holy Spirit saying uh, to stay on board a little longer, which made sense because we moved uh, our facilities um, about three years ago. Uh, purchased um, an incredible building here in Seattle last year, uh, culminated our capital campaign. And I think after the culmination of the capital campaign uh, was when I began to really uh, more thoughtfully, prayerfully, along with my wife this past year, uh, wrestle with that. Uh, is it time for me to pass on um, uh, leadership to to someone else that can help Quest Church into the next season of its ministry. You know, what's so interesting about that is, you know, you're still somewhat of a relatively young guy, and this seems like it represents sort of a counter narrative to a lot of how we think, at least in Western culture, of success and power. Of Once you achieve a certain status, you do everything to fight and hold on to it. Um, but this seems, like I said, like a, like a powerful counter narrative to that. Um, where you're willing to be obedient uh, to step down uh, for the sake of the church. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I have to just check my heart a little bit because it's still very raw and emotional. And, uh, you know, I I still uh, might lose it here and there. And it's because it's the hardest decision uh, that I've ever made. I, I love this church. My wife and I, having planted this church, I know it's not the best analogy. It sounds a little awkward, but it feels like a child to us. And uh, the best analogy that I I can give to people is it's akin to some of the emotions that we felt two years ago when we dropped off our eldest at college. Uh, We we knew that it was coming. We, We had peace and felt that it was the right thing to do, obviously. But as the days approached, uh, we had so many questions. Um, Is she ready? Are we ready? Are we doing the right thing? Um, And uh, we said our goodbyes at the dorm rooms and drove off and didn't say anything for a while until both of us just burst into tears. Didn't say anything for the rest of our car ride back. And uh, it feels like this. Uh, It's very emotional. Uh, but one of the things that I shared with uh, in our church is that you know, even some of my, my friends have said that they're having a hard time making sense. Um, 
trying to maybe ask, hey, is there a deeper story here? Are you burnt out? Is there some sort of conflict? And uh, there, there isn't. There's no conflict. There's no tension. There's no drama. Um, I think it's that opportunity to really examine ourselves. And as I confess to the church, it's, it sounds weird, but I, I feel like uh, we felt convicted that it was time to fire ourselves. And um, um, and again, it sounds like a dramatic thing, but it's just not. You know, I think uh, we felt like we gave uh, our our most the church, and as I've been wrestling with all the different things that I'm doing, I just didn't feel like I was able to help the church into this next season. And while I am very tempted and remain tempted because I've been kicking myself after the announcement every now and then I'm asking myself, man, what am I doing? What am I doing? But um, I, I want to resist this temptation of um, preserving you know, my platform or my power or prestige. Um, and that's, I can't speak for others. I know for myself, it's a real temptation. Um, Quest Church is a very well-respected, influential uh, church here in Seattle. Uh, again, as I shared, you know, we moved into one of this amazing facility that we purchased what used to be formerly known as Mars Hill Church in Seattle and um, paid off everything. But um, I love my church. Um, I, I love it deeply and am uh, excited for what God has in store for it. Um, as I shared with my church congregation when I shared the announcement, our theme this year happens to be uh, this word called deeper. And I wish the theme was coast. The theme was just get by. And uh, uh, if it was, I would be perfect uh, for this next season. But as I approach my 50th birthday in a couple of years, um, I'm realizing that I just have limitations. I, I just don't have the the, the energy. Uh, I don't have the um, the ability to handle four major things that are going on in my life. Um, along with being a senior pastor, I run a humanitarian organization. Uh, I'm late with my second book by three and a half years, and. Uh, I love the privilege of traveling to be able to encourage pastors and missionaries around the world. Uh, and on top of that, I'm just trying to um, you know, honor my wife and kids. And uh, in, in my desire to go deeper, I realize that sometimes there are seasons uh, in, in faith and obedience, you have to let go of certain things. And, um, and so that was that season. You know, this represents not only a major leap of faith for you personally making this transition, but also for Quest Church that, uh, you know, there's a bit of uncertainty about the future and you're really trusting God for both. Since you've made this announcement, how has your relationship with God been affected or changed? You know, uh, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said there was some sort of this deep well of profound intimacy. Um, one of the things that I've learned over the years as I've become a follower of Jesus at the age of 18 is that as much as I desire for clarity, I have said that prayer tons of times. I've preached about our human need for clarity because it's connected to our control. Um, and I rarely, if ever, received clarity from God. And so I think, if anything, it's a ongoing lesson of trusting of trusting God. 
um, that this church, as much as we love it, uh, doesn't belong to us. It's always belonged to God. Um, that as a 48-year-old, uh, as we're making this significant decision that places some security at risk for our family, um, that's, you know, just bluntly speaking, that's one of the things that I wrestled with, with three kids, two in college. Um, I think in the midst of all of this is acknowledging and trusting that God's certainly not yet done, yes, with the church, but God's also not yet done with with Minhee and I. Um, in this next season, we, we feel uh, while we're not sure what's next, um, you know, we certainly are hopeful and prayerful that God would continue to use us to be a voice of encouragement to pastors, missionaries, and leaders uh, here in the city, uh, in the country, and around the world. Um, but it really is just a matter of trust. Uh, that's what we're, we're uh, what, what it's been about. That was Eugene Cho. Stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. Listening to Toast. The song is one, two, three. All right, it's time for your feedback. Last week we got talking about um, the fact that, um, well, uh, number one, we were talking. <laughs> most of the feedback that you guys were responding to is the fact that we were talking about rest and Sabbath and being, you know, stressed and decision making, fatigue and all that stuff. Uh, and you guys uh, were very kind in the comments of of, of uh, appreciating the transparency and and all that. Um, Noted. Thank you. We saw your comments. Uh, <laughs> noted. <but> noted. <laughs> we see you and we're grateful. We are grateful. It was. It, it is was, really sweet. It just reminds us that we are not just talking to each other, that this is a bigger conversation that continues throughout the week. And it means a lot when people, I mean, about the silly stuff and the serious stuff. I just like that it reminds us that we're a bunch of friends in this conversation, not just the four of us or five of us or six of us or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but the question of the week was based on um, the fact that in, two or three weeks at the end of the month, I'm doing this hood to coast 200 mile relay race doing it with team world vision. And we're trying to raise money for clean water in South Sudan. There's 10, there's like 10 or 20,000 people doing this, this 24 hour relay race. It's crazy. I've never run in my life. Jesse was giving me some pointers and some tips about things mm-hmm. I should do for my legs of the race to kind of literally make it and not die. So for the question of the week, we asked you what or how should Cameron cheat in the upcoming Hood to Coast race. Because right. Jesse's, at the end of the day, he said, you just got to cheat. That's how. Yeah. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's what winners say. <laughs> you guys hit us up on Twitter and posted on the episode true. page. And uh, here's a few of our favorite suggestions. Eric had a, had a fantastic idea, which is simply a doppelganger. Uh, real Cameron, you he exist at the brilliant. van drop-off. Uh, 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 you know, let the doppelganger run. Cameron, you enter the van 
back up and pick up. You know, I, like I could, it. you know, you have to use some sleight of hand or yeah. something uh, during the exchanges. <laughs> but I think right now we're going to put out a call. If you look remotely like Cameron, we can get you a wig or something if you need it. We got Chandler right there. <laughs> in the I know studio. you got Chandler and yeah, Cohen. But we need, We've but got we need two someone. Of them. We need someone who uh, is in better running shape. And Chandler, <laughs> I doubt that's the case. He's no had offense. way too much chilies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we need someone. We need someone who's a runner. Yeah, for Cameron's <laughs> doppelganger, but I like that idea. But I, that runner, if he's a runner, he's not going to be 25 pounds overweight like I am, so he's not going to look can, like me. We can, we can figure out creative solutions. We can weigh people down sure pretty easily. For, oh, to make yeah, sure a fat suit. Okay, I like it. I'm a little more inclined to go for Christy Perry's idea here uh, because she's thought about this too. She says, I would propose you contact local parks and rec authority and or the zoo, have them set up checkpoints with caged wildlife like lions oh, and tigers, sure. which can then be released to give you bursts of incentive to pick up the pace that's I, great i don't know like when we were running in montana jesse was on a run and got chased by a wild dog you know and like they, they chased yeah. him all the way back it, so yeah. it's exactly what you just described it was horrible. i didn't but i when he was telling me the story i was going i that doesn't mean that I have the physical ability to run the next two miles away from this wild animal. It would just You'd be I, surprised. Just, You'd be surprised. <laughs> if you had an animal lit, I, literally nipping at your heels. Like, I now know really? where that phrase... I know the accuracy of that phrase. Yeah. But you run faster. But like, you run faster. I get, like, winded. Like, if I can't breathe, I would have... You know, I don't know. Like, you think I could... Uh, well, maybe. I'll try it. I also, like, PC Walker kind of went with the doppelganger idea, but his is literally, like... Put your bib on someone else. Put <laughs> your running bib on yeah, someone How many else. of these people have you met in person that are on the team? Yeah. Uh, one. Two. Uh, Brent Green one, is on my two. team. The two. good thing is so Cameron means- is a gender neutral name, so you can send a girl even. Anybody can run in your place, bud. Absolutely. Yeah, or you just send some, just send like a, a really good runner and have him introduce himself as Cameron. And for, for the two people you know, just be like, no, it's me. You just don't remember me well. And I'm insulted. And just let me run my race and shut your mouth. <laughs> and, then, and then let that guy take off. There was another one. I lost it on Twitter I, who, who, who sent it. But the other idea is, Cameron, you get several relevant staffers to hide like a car idling in the woods. Yeah. And when it's your turn at the van drop off, you know, you're like, all right, guys, I'll see you at the next stop. And a relevant worker just drives you to the next one and drops you off. You are very well rested the whole I time because you're driving. I think time. people have, I heard people doing that with like the New York City Marathon and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's happened a bunch of yeah. times. Yeah. I like it. They take like the subway. I like I love it. I love it. You I know? think all these ideas are really great. Um, Cameron, mine that I didn't submit that I actually think is the right thing is you need to back out of the race. <laughs> I no, need you no, just no. to back don't out. Don't listen. Don't. Raise I don't the money. Know. I don't know if you're if if like in hindsight we're gonna look back at what you have done to me over the last four months or three months where you've no. discouraged me and told me I am gonna fail and I shouldn't Power do it. I'm gonna die. I don't know if you're no. gonna look back and go, helping? I was a master motivator and it's because I loved you and that's why I did all that. Or yeah. Are you just really the most discouraging friend I have? Because no, you're the only no, one. No, Annie, Annie, listen, because listen. I love you. That, no, you were right. No, no, listen, okay. l- listen. Because I, I will run this can, out of spite to prove Annie wrong. That yeah. is my and major Annie, camera. You can listen. You can listen to Annie. Or you can listen to me and God, who wrote, there is power of life and death in the tongue, Annie F. Downs. <laughs> and my tongue proclaimeth. My tongue is Cameron, just you concerned cheat, but you can about do the health thing. of my friend. I, I know you can do it. No, I'm just not sure you have to. That's, am, how, that's I am, where I stand. I am actually at the point where I don't know that I can. You know what I mean? Have like you bought your flight? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And hotel and everything. Oh wow. I'm going. It's about, it's it's about what's in what's down here. It's well, you know what? Here, this huh? is actually true. Brent Green, who's who's uh, run a number of marathons, he's a friend of me and Jesse's, and and uh, friend of the show. He uh, he's on my team, and he told me like literally, like dude. The race is different, you know. Like I'm, like I'm running around my neighborhood by myself, hating it. Trudgery is awful, and he's going. The race is different. There's people cheering. There's, you oh, know, nice. like you're gonna run faster. He's like, you can do it. He's like, he's like, honestly, it's a mental game, and it's like overcoming the mental game. He's like, you're strong-willed enough. You're gonna be able to do this. He texts me encouragement, Annie. You text. You don't text okay. me. You just tell me publicly that I'm gonna I fail. Just text you. <laughs> <sighs> but I haven't texted you any encouragement. That's true. All right. I'm going to, I'll tweet this out, but um, I'm doing this. I'm putting myself through this to raise money for people in South Sudan to get clean mm-hmm. water. I got to raise $10,000. I am way late putting up my donation page. Y'all need to rally around me. I want, I don't know. Like if you think Annie's right and I should drop out, you need to give $20. And if you think mm-hmm. I'm right, I can do it. You need to give $20. So I don't care whose side you're on. We'll calculate need- this later and figure out who wins. We'll calculate. Well, I think, well, maybe actually <laughs> we and, should. And, I wish that- hold on. It's $20 just came up real quick, Annie. I just need to address something real quick. Uh, the Moyles thing isn't going great. I would love, <laughs> I have a GoFundMe. Moyles, Moyles, more Moyles, Moyles, Moyles.biz. Remember that. It's probably the URL that a lot of people aren't getting there. But if you go there and you were going to throw 20 bones my way, I would deeply appreciate it because uh, I was wrong about the health department. I've been fined heavily. So uh, <laughs> a little bit of a hole here. I just wish that we'd have set it up so that people could either donate with on team Annie that's trying to keep Cameron safe and healthy or team Cameron and and whichever one wins is the one who, where whether you go or not. Well, I wish we'd have been able here's to do that. I'm so, team South Sudan. I, I just that, like, that's if actually you've the point. Run, if you've got to run to get them some monies, then that's where that's what's got to happen. I'm but, team. I'm team avoiding second bankruptcy in two years because of the money I lost <laughs> on my Dead Sea goggle venture. Um, and they don't let you declare you know, twice in seven years. So I would need the cash. Too. <laughs> so so. I, I emailed our, our, I said this last week, I, I emailed our, our team captain and said like, man, I don't know that I'm gonna be able to do this 20 miles. I, I just don't know that I can. And he said, mm-hmm. or I, I said, I'm going to be so slow. Da, da, da. And he was like, listen, it doesn't matter. He's like, what matters is the people of South Sudan getting clean water. And we're not trying to win the race. We're trying to raise money for them. And that's why you're doing it. And you doing that, showing up, giving it your best. That's all we need. We got your back. We have backup runners, whatever you need. Listen. Oh, I, they have backup runners? Uh, our our van driver in an emergency can take a leg for you. But I oh, but this, this is great news. But this but, is but, like but to be fair, I don't he will still be driving the van. So he just drives it. <laughs> I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? I want to do what I signed up to do. But at the oh, end of the man. day, it's that people of South Sudan get clean water and I need y'all That's to support right. me. So That's right. <sighs> it's gonna be the twenty fourth, Hood to Coast. Friday in Portland. Wow, 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 wow. It's kind of, yeah, that's this month, but that is this month. Hey, whatever we got to do, clean water, South Sudan, all right? That's right. That's okay, right. it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, earlier in the show, we got talking about the essential oils and the leggings and the thing that, like, if you know a Christian female in her 20s, you've probably been presented the opportunity to purchase one of those items. It's moils and maybe a Christian man, maybe two of us. Right? Very, very compelling. Good looking guys. And maybe we will sell your credit card information just to cover some quick debts and then I'll pay you back in moils. <laughs> in moils. Yeah, that's the that's the trick. 
the man oils. So, so on the show today, we came up with a new MLM opportunity for Christians to, to participate in. It's a groundbreaking opportunity. We want to know from you for the question of the week this week, other MLM product ideas that Christians should consider. But it's because I feel like the leggings and the oils saturated. Saturated. Yeah. You don't know. We don't need all, more. Is that an oil joke? Because I like it. We don't. Oh, that's funny. We don't need uh, more, you know, independent representatives and the hair thing. There's a hair <laughs> thing, kidding, too. That's Jesse. a big hair thing. They go live on Facebook all the time. And they're talking about their hair products. I see yeah. that a lot. So there's yeah. a, the, we got the hair products. Fine. We got the oils. Fine. We got the leggings. Fine. Saturated. Don't need more independent reps. If yeah. We're looking for new industries, new product mm-hmm. ideas. That could be the in. next big thing. And I think it needs to be something like you got to have an excuse for hitting up that friend on Facebook that you haven't talked through since graduation. Maybe this is a yearbook related or something. I don't know. But, you know, I feel like something that would bridge the gap a little. So it's not so weird when that person hits you up and, you know, they just want you to be their next, you know, customer. Or, right. You know, if you've been talking to this person in 20 years, you need there has to be you need to connect. You need to be like, yeah. oh, I yeah. does it have to yeah. be in y'all's heart when we're just coming up with this editorial question of the week? Does mm-hmm. it have to be faith based or is it just better if it sells Whatever better in the church? Feel like, it's going to change like their life better. the way it changed yours. I, and you are passionate. Mine are indulgences. They're tickets to heaven. And I will get them signed <laughs> by a pastor. Multi-level tickets to heaven. But everything really is religious. You know, different mansion sizes. Different mansion sizes. Different mansion sizes. <laughs> no, no. A product that... You, this, is, this is like the audio adrenaline version of heaven or... And the it big, will big be that, it will be it will be who gets to play quarterback in that football game with Jesus that we're waiting for. Uh, you, know? we're basically you guys, just, this is getting a little bit secular. I can feel it already. We're basically I'm here just for coming it. up yeah. with content for Jim Baker to to <gasps> sell on his TV show. Oh, that's true. <laughs> this the Jim Baker angle. I mean, it's like oh, the end of the world's coming, so I'm going to sell buckets of <laughs> buckets yeah. of food to get you through the apocalypse. End time stuff is good. Yeah, yeah. end times. That's a good angle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we we're already giving away too much. Hey, here. for our next live show, because Cameron and I were 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 kicking this around, a live show. Uh I don't want to give too much away because we're in the early stages. We're in Chicago. I think it needs to be catered by Jim Baker buckets. Uh, and I think we need a couple of vats that people can help themselves to at the beginning of the show to to stave off hunger. A couple just a couple vats, you know? <laughs> nope. Maybe maybe they can sponsor it. Sponsored by Jim Baker's. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't even know. Food. They wouldn't even. Yeah. Uh, Annie, what do you think about taking the show on the road? Like, what do you think about don't doing? Like, even get me excited if you don't really mean what, it. Like, don't get out. me excited what if you don't mean it. What if we did a couple theaters around the country? Like, maybe one in Nashville. Maybe we'd Cameron. one in one in southern. Maybe L.A. Take yeah. take the show on the road. Nashville. Oh, we wouldn't do it. I My wouldn't gosh. do it in the church. You we guys, gotta, that would be so much fun because people could come talk to us and we could like meet so many. Okay, stop. I'm I'm it sounds fine. I'm gonna yeah. be cool. Wouldn't it anything it'd be kind of Mark, fun. Mark, I need you to hunt down Jim Baker's food that sponsor person. <laughs> I need you just to hunt down <laughs> Jim Baker because I just want to, I want him to come on the show and talk he's about it. He's deep in a bunker. He's unhuntable. <laughs> yeah. He's unhuntable. Well we could do one of the live shows in Branson. And I mean that's he's in the hills around what Branson. Other cities did you guys live talk from seven hundred feet below Branson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh you guys that sounds like the best idea. I'm so glad you thought of it. Well we've been kicking around for a few years, but we're we're maybe lining some stuff up for 
this next season. I love when you all line yeah. stuff up and eventually tell the rest of us. I know. Well, I, we're not lining it up officially. We're just like, start fast, we're yeah. fleshing it out. I, say, I got a calendar, people. Yeah, Get I on it. Yeah. I know you're on it. All right. Now that we know you're interested, we'll. we'll oh my gosh, beyond. I'm going to be so silly about it. I'm trying to play it really cool because I don't want y'all to think how I like it so much, but I like it so yeah. much. Let, let, hey, for, for listeners, you know, help us, uh, you know, confirm this is a good business idea and let us know if you want us to come to Nashville and LA. We for a will sell shows. tickets to heaven while we're there. I mean, think about yeah. it, like how all the friends we have in those two cities that could come through. Is that what you're thinking? Nashville and L.A. Those are the two. I mean, we have two big. I mean, those are two big cities for us. I mean, like listener and yeah. reader wise. And then also friends who would be have be great on the show. I mean, from from the likes of like Trent Dad. I mean, I don't even want to say names. I mean, there's so many yeah, artists yeah. and so many yeah. guests. Well, that like would it, be a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah. You guys, we would have the most fun, too, because we could go to like great restaurants and then we can all go to the beach together in L.A. Oh, gosh, there's this place in Venice Beach I've been dying to try. So we would go there. Oh, you guys. You just want to go to Muscle. You want to go to Venice Beach because it's Muscle Beach and it's a bunch of men walking around working out. And then I want to eat at the butcher's daughter. But yes, I don't hate anything you're saying to me, but that's not, that's not the main motivation. <laughs> We're going Respect on a trip honesty. together, you guys. Oh, I can't wait. Hit us up on uh, Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post your uh, new MLM life-changing product opportunity idea on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. With that note, we'll wrap things up. Many thanks to Eugene Cho for talking to us. Uh, he wasn't on to plug anything. So there's no book or yeah, yeah. film or album. You can follow but him. He has on, books, right? Of course. He has a ton of great so books. Go buy him. Yeah. Just go buy that man's books. Go buy all the books. Uh, yeah, because anybody who says yeah. that kind of stuff, we should be listening to. So buy his stuff. Uh, you can also follow him on Twitter at Eugene Cho. Um, hey, the new issue of Relevant is uh, headed to the printer this week. It's um, We'll tell you more about it in the coming weeks, but um, yeah. I, we're not going to give away who's on it yet. But head over to relevantmagazine.com. Yeah. We have a great subscription sale going on right now. Uh, end of the summer uh, sale. Uh, if you've been on the fence about subscribing, go do it now and you will get the new issue as well as a uh, whole year's worth of Relevant. I think you'll like it. And don't forget, coming up at the end of this month, uh, Impact Week. Is coming up. We're partnering with Bright Peak. They're going to be accelerating the giving. It's going to be an exciting week. Hopefully, we can make a big difference together. Uh, go over to relevantmagazine.com slash impact week to find out more. On that note, we'll wrap things. I'm Cameron String. I'm Chandler String. Tyler Huckabee. I'm Jesse Carey. And I'm Annie F. Downs. Uh, we will see you Friday when worship leader Chris McClarney joins us. Don't miss it. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Live from 700 feet below Branson.
Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.